0: Sport Calgary is the voice of over 275 sports organizations in the Calgary area. Share your voice and become a Sport Calgary member for free at sportcalgary.ca slash members. Hey kids, how the heck are you? It's your old uh, podcasting pal, Rob Kirk. Uh, Welcome, 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 welcome to original Six Feet Conversation podcast. I love the guests we have today. I I think the guest we have today is is very important um, and is, full disclosure, a friend of mine. So we'll get into that in a second. As we continue to go through what we're going through here, the whole intention of this podcast series is to, you know, do something that's positive, something that maybe informs people about the people who make up the fabric of the sports community in our city, want to tell a few stories want to give you a little bit uh, uh, you know, more background on, on what's going on. So, uh, yeah, uh, th- th- we, we've had a lot of friends on the program. Looking forward to having a lot more friends on the program. Looking forward to introduce you to our friends of the program, and today we do that. Um, our guest is the president and CEO of Calgary Economic Development. She was the CEO of the Calgary 2026 Olympic bid. She's past president and director of the Ronald McDonald House of Southern Alberta, and she's currently the chair of the board of directors for Sport Calgary. Mary Moran is our guest today, um, and specifically because I want to have a conversation with her about something that's so important to me, is leadership. I, um, I, uh, full disclosure, this is a very selfish podcast. I get to do the topics that I want to choose and the people that I want to talk to and that sort of thing, but one of the big topics for me right now, and has been for the last number of years, is leadership, sportsmanship, teamwork, those types of soft skills in sport and promoting those. Um, I spent a lot of my uh, off off time working on projects that that make sure those are um, important for you know us to pass along to our, our our kids through sport I still think sport is the best tool for teaching leadership and and we're gonna get into that with mary I, I think Mary is an incredible leader I think we're lucky to have her um, I'm always uh, in awe when I spend any time with her because I learned something from her. As a leader. So that's what most of this conversation is going to be about today. So I'm looking forward to it. In light of COVID 19, Sport Calgary has compiled together a directory of webinars and digital events to help you stay connected in the Calgary sport community. Learn more at sportcalgary.ca. I might have mentioned that one already, but there you go. We'll throw that one in again. Here's our conversation with the chair of the Sport Calgary Board of Directors, also the president and CEO of Calgary Economic Development, Mary Moran. How are you holding hey, up?
1: I'm not doing too badly. Yeah. I I, I found myself a little, a little anxious yesterday, but it was just because I was getting squished by home chores and work chores and not having enough separation from from them. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, I do. Yes, yeah. I do. Um, As he sits
1: with the microphone in his office.
0: That's correct. Uh, this at least is an ice break for me. Uh, but yeah, you, you know what? Yesterday I had to go sit in the living room and just not come into the office. Yeah, good for you. You spend so much time of it in here right now, so
1: yeah, it's so true, right? You know, I, um, it is crazy though. It's just like it's unfathomable, right? In some ways, and I think a lot of people are. It, the reality is set in. Like I think the first couple of weeks were novel for people, and now the reality is set in that you know this could be July.
0: Yeah. You yeah. Know? No, we're so. hunkered down now. That's that's the the part that I think you hit on the the nail on the head on is the first couple of weeks were. Well, this is kind of cool. This is going to be different, okay? But I don't think we appreciated the the length of time. Because, and again, when it first happened for me, it was like, okay, well, we hope to be back in the middle of April, uh, and that just seems so far flung right now.
1: Yeah, doesn't it?
0: It does. It really does. Yeah. It, it really does. Um, what's keeping you busy? What what uh, from just from a day to day standpoint? What are you doing to 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 keep busy right now?
1: Well, I, I think the the first thing uh, we first of all, we went to uh, we went to remote work on March the 12th. So yep. it was just after the board meeting that we had. But um, and so and that was pretty easy and seamless for us. And then, um, you know, we I would say the first week felt a bit chaotic and then we really had to kind of regroup and categorize the stages we're going to go through or the phases we're going to go through and and the work that we needed to do during that time period so we built a plan that basically had um, you know a response which is the phase we're in right now response or survival where we're heavily dependent on federal and, and provincial uh, measures and policies to or programs to help businesses and people. And then we moved right then we'll move right into rebuild, which I think there's gonna be a fair amount of effort put into that. Like how do we get back and support Calgary based companies? How do we make sure that, you know, more displaced people get trained to do other things? And then then we'll get back into recovery. Because we were very much in recovery mode pre COVID and I think we're going right back there, right? And it yeah. will just be it's gonna be a lot more intense. And so um, you know, so I think we those are kind of the three phases we're thinking about. And uh, and so we had to kind of build a plan. Obviously, we're reforecasting, uh, you know, but everybody's busy and we're looking at different ways of doing our work. Um, so as other jurisdictions come on back online, how do we rather than travel to those places? How do we deploy people, agents, almost agents there? Right. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. When did you uh, when did this become or get on your radar. When were you aware? Because I'm, I'm. I think in the majority that until that NBA game in Utah, and when everything got canceled by the NBA at 7:30 that night, it really. That's when it. I mean, I knew about it, but you know. But when when was it on your radar, Mary?
1: Uh, well, I think even when it hit China, it was on our radar, right? Because we do a lot of work in China. Yeah. And so uh, it still seemed very arm's length away at that point or you know it, it didn't seem that real to tell you quite honestly. Uh, but you know I would say certainly by the end of February we were starting to think about we'd identified it as a risk and uh, for for all of our boards and uh, started to plan around it that it would probably have a great impact on us. and so you know you have to remember we were on the 29th of February we were still executing on a mission to India. With the mayor, right, and that was mostly due to the fact that India had no cases at that point. We'd planned this trip for about a year. There was a lot of effort and work went that went into it. But, you know, by the time everybody arrived home on the eighth of March, it was very obvious to us that we were going to have to do business differently.
0: You mentioned a couple of things about the kind of the recovery and where we go. Is there and and just because I want to try to be optimistic here, do you Mm -hmm. see things that you know, and this is a terrible thing and and the loss of life is unacceptable, but will there, could there be change that we will benefit from coming out of this?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I you know, I think our recovery plan was all around Calgary and the new economy, which was the uh, adoption of digital technologies across our industrial sectors. And I think what's so interesting about that is, is that I think, you know, uh, often what was happening particularly in some sectors is, you know, the CEO would buy into it or the COO would buy into it, but you'd get it down to kind of the finance guys and adoption was slower than we expected. And I think the reality is, is the adoption of digital technologies across all sectors is going to be much, uh, it's going to be expedited or accelerated, I think, as a result of COVID. And so that's the the good news of all of this is I think, you know, people recognize uh, the value And uh, the impact and uh, the cost reduction uh, that digital technologies actually can have on your your business. And and I also think that Calgarians, generally speaking, like I'm a very big proponent that, you know, the provincial government needs to run defense on the energy industry. But we also need a parallel strategy that looks at different opportunities. And that's what Calgary and the new economy really is. It's about building on our strength as industrial sectors and energy, agriculture, transportation, increasingly so life sciences, tourism, creative industries, but really building on our strengths of those industrial sectors and that modern technology uh, meeting the uh, traditional technology was our future. I mean, we had 27% growth in tech jobs alone in 2019. And so, you know, we do need a parallel strategy because the problems in Calgary are really complex. And when I say that, I mean, you know, we have 14 million square feet of empty office space, which is, uh, you know, we have about enough office space overall in our downtown core, 42 million square feet for a population of 4 million people. And it was built on, you know, the energy industry being the mega job creator for the foreseeable future. And the reality is that's not going to happen. And technology is gonna have a greater impact on that. And that problem, along with the fact that we have such a highly educated, uh, talent, uh, talented, uh, work, young workforce yep. uh, that are really good at solving problems, we were greatly concerned about how we get those people back to work. And, you know, we're working hard to try to do an energy to digital transition for a lot of those super people that know how to solve problems, not just for Calgary and Canada, but for the world, right? And so, um, you know, I think that all of those things will be, people will be more open to that uh, parallel strategy than they were before, uh, because you know I think I think it's really you know the COVID was bad enough, but then this global price yeah. oil price war and the debate between Saudi Arabia and Russia and the control and the volatility that we're seeing is is it's reminded people that uh, you know we have a strategy we've had a historically had a strategy that we benefited greatly from, which is you know, a strategy of, of global oil pricing. But it, the last two rounds, it's created structural changes in the energy industry. And, and so we have to build and create other opportunities for our children and grandchildren.
0: So let me pick your brain, because if you are not reading the news about the day-to-day, and I don't blame people if they don't, because it's hard, uh, but some of the looking ahead, the opinion pieces, are talking about, you know, adapting to the new reality when we return to normal. Um, mm-hmm. Mary, do you know, does anybody know what the new reality, like how do you plan for adapting to a new reality when I I don't know if we know what that reality will be?
1: Yeah. And I think that's why we really kind of broke it down into phases on what we need to do when, but it doesn't mean that we know the answers. Right. And so people will often ask me, well, what are the tactics you're going to take based on getting back into a recovery mode? And the reality is, is we don't know today. And part of that is, is, uh, you know we can't see the timing of it. We can't see how deep and how wide this potential you know global price war uh, oil price war is and the impact it's going to have on our local economy we can't see it right now. Yeah. And so all we can see right now is is that the energy industry, particularly oil companies, uh, are making decisions to reduce capital investment, and uh and spend and they're also making decisions to you know reduce potentially shed more workers etc so you know i think we can't tell how deep it is and and that's that's you know having the phases is important to say yes you need to think on the, about the long term while you're dealing with the survival mode right. or the response to this but it's really hard to see what those specific answers are and i think it will it will get you know much more clear as we navigate through the phases Right.
0: So I want to transition into a little bit more of a a sports oriented conversation. So I think I want to ask this question uh, without giving names, but as someone who is an active leader right now in a crisis, are you are are we beginning to see the differentiation between managers and leaders right now?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I, I think, you know, it's 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 I think what, you know, certainly. I'm encouraging people to do is to really think seriously about how they want to be remembered in this COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they need to ask themselves serious questions about. Um, you know, I think first of all, I think the initial response is nobody knew what to do, so it was just chaos, right? right. Is people were somewhat paralyzed by the fact that uh, they didn't they didn't know what exactly what to do. Um, and so, you know, there's lots of researching, talking to other people, et cetera. I would say, you know, they were searching and sharing everything they could probably find about, uh, COVID, you know, people were a bit panicked in some ways, they were a bit irritated, um, you know, even in their personal lives, I think, you know, people were hoarding and going out and buying a whole bunch of things that they may or may not need. Uh, you know, and I think now, you know, we're, we're very much in a learning zone, um, so, you know, I think we're kind of in this situation where we're, we're able to kind of work through the complexity of it, start to identify opportunities. Uh, and then I think, you know, you're going to see people move into that kind of growth mode, like they're going to be appreciative and grateful for kind of where we are, but they know we have to kind of live now. Uh, with a clear picture of what's next. And that's, I think, kind of going to be the next phase. But I definitely agree that you're seeing the difference between managers and leaders. And there's some people that just aren't great with chaos, right? Or Mm. they're very black and white. And so you can see it in, in specific jobs and you can see it in, specific, uh, in specific uh, comp- competencies within people, right? So, you know, those that are used to operating in deadlines and can operate in chaos and thrive in that kind of environment are doing really well. And those that are more black and white, longer term planners, they really are having a hard time adjusting.
0: I, I do, and, and not an attempt to, to say I, I, I told you so or anything like that, but I do want to point out that, um, you know I looked back and rewatched a TEDx talk that you gave a couple of years ago how to navigate Calgary's new economic horizons and in that TED talk you were talking about leadership you were talking about the need for leadership now in a different vein it wasn't in a crisis form but you certainly have seen in your experience and you went you've, you've seen a lot and done a lot um, mm-hmm. but have been advocating for the need for leadership versus management
1: absolutely and you know I think the- There's a couple of cases that we've experienced in in Calgary in particular during this five-year downturn, but also as we've pursued big opportunities, including big sporting opportunities. We haven't seen alignment, trust, and leadership uh, within the political parties. And I would say it feels to me for the first time in a very long time we are seeing that. So the, the municipal, the provincial, and the federal governments are working together for uh, and this is not unique to calgary and alberta i think they're working together better than they ever have it's not perfect but it's way better than i've ever seen or certainly have seen in the last five years Uh, and i think in this province it's particularly strong and so you know i hope we get the outcomes that we anticipate Uh, i hope that there's a heightened awareness about particularly at the federal level, that Alberta needs more help than we have seen in the last several years. And so, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I applaud particularly the municipal government today and the provincial government today for their alignment, but also, you know, collectively taking on a challenge with the federal government and trying to work through uh, work through the federal government to, to give Alberta its, its deserved attention. Talk about leadership.
0: Mary, from your standpoint, and not necessarily in a crisis, but I suppose it applies to a crisis. It seems to me that as two people that have a vested interest in the world of sport, that would be the breeding ground and, and the place that we should be drawing our uh, our leadership lessons from. But can you just talk about the importance of, of leadership in this day and age?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I think, um, you know, yeah, I mean, leadership, I think, in this day and age, outside of COVID, but particularly acute during the COVID is, you know, the ability to make decisions, to process information and make decisions is, is really, really important. And uh, I think that that, you know, we've, we've tested ourselves, particularly the last five years on on that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's, it's not easy. And I think you have to, you know, sometimes speed is really, really important. Certainly, Uh, I think in a fast moving economy, it really is. And and when I say fast moving, I don't mean fast growing, I mean changing quickly, the rapid change that's happening particularly is we look at the influence of technologies on on all of our economies. But, uh, you know, so the ability to get through information and make decisions and and knowing particularly that they won't always be perfect, but sometimes you have to settle for good just to move ahead, right? And so, uh, that is is really uh, amplified during this time period yeah. in particular, right? And so, uh, you know, I think the federal government they've been trying to move quickly, but you you really at these at this day and age, COVID, pre-COVID, uh, recovery, etc. You just can't afford to move at the speed of government, and so. Uh, you know, we have to be way more agile as a society overall. And that, le- that includes strong leaders being way more agile.
0: I've gone, uh, in, in the preamble to this conversation, I went through your resume. Uh, are you a born leader or was leadership thrust upon you through your career?
1: Uh, well, I think I am, uh, look, I grew up, I grew up in a family of, uh, five kids and I was the youngest after four boys and uh <laughs> you know there's six years between the top and the bottom so
0: oh. uh,
1: I think I became uh my mother would say that I was very motivated from from uh from birth <laughs> and so uh and that was probably just to get uh you know equal playing ground but I would say you know a couple things for me is is that I, I frankly never, and it's not to dismiss it because I know many people suffer and feel it, but I really didn't understand that there was gender inequity. So, you know, I always felt that there was always a place for me at the table, yep. dining room table or the boardroom table. Uh, but I wasn't, you know, my, my skills have been honed over experiences and what I would say about that is, is that if you reflect back on my career, uh, you know, I have always been in very difficult situations and so it didn't matter what industry that I went into, there was always a challenge, you know, uh, starting with the airline industry, which uh, I worked for Ward Air, which was bought by Canadian, which was an uh, uh, interesting acquisition and required a lot of agility and flexibility uh, to to emerge as and, and adjust to the cultural fit. Then uh, I worked in the very tough days of Canadian Airline where we took salary reductions uh, to try to save the airline we you know basically went into chapter 11 or CCAA um and uh or ccca and uh you know i think that uh and similarly then i went into the hotel industry where there was a number of the hotel industry that i was in was dealing with uh you know uh, outside factors like El Nino in a resort destination that added you know double digit capacity in a time and only had 14 weeks to sell the hotel, which in a resort destination usually need 18 months, and we managed to do it in the course of about four months. So uh, it was a remarkable experience. Uh, You know, then I went into the wireless side of telecommunications where there was it was competitive, it was rapidly growing, but there were a number of acquisitions, and so. You know, I feel like I've been in this uh, in in during my career. There's always been a fire, and so I think you build skills uh, during that. Uh, you know, and then of course, take stepping into the role of CEO during the worst downturn in Calgary's history. Uh, you know, tested my skills even further. And and frankly, you know, I don't proclaim to be uh, a leader that knows it all. I'm learning every single day, and mm-hmm. and and certainly, COVID is teaching me skills even you know, honing my skills even more so. So
0: you answer the question this in this way, because you keep talking a little bit about jumping into fires. Uh, you're you're running to the fire, not away from the fire. Why haven't you run away from the fire? It seems like in your history that you've gone to places that have been difficult, that have been going through challenges. There would be easier way out. What is it that attracts you to the challenge of, of crisis? Uh,
1: I think there are a couple of things that are really deep in my DNA, and that is I love to solve problems and, not that I'm always successful at it, but you know I can, I, you know I, I, I try to do the right thing, and I don't do the right thing for the wrong motivations. Uh, you know I'm very apolitical. I just really want to try to do the right thing, and uh, what I with my assessment of what what the need is, and so um, I think that's what drives me to the fire is, is <laughs> wanting to problem solve. But I'd like to use this analogy, and this isn't my This isn't my analogy, but it's quite funny as a leader over the last several weeks. And uh, I I heard a a friend and a colleague of mine describe what it's like to be during this COVID. And and this is actually quite an interesting analogy where he said it uh, feels like sometimes it feels particularly the early days of COVID that it feels like you're a fish in the fishbowl in a house fire. (laughs) Meaning that you don't know what to do exactly. You just know the whole world's coming down around you, right? And I felt like that the first couple of days. And then you quickly had to shift into not being the fish in the fishbowl, but actually being the firefighter. And so, um, you know, I think that that's been my experience in many of those situations throughout my career. What's
0: What's your secret to decompressing? Because there, there is stress, there's inherent stress, and to lead means you have to be at the top. What does Mary Moran do to kind of decompress?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, a pristine life is, you know, having those intellectual challenges, uh, but also ensuring that you have enough physical outlet to ensure that you can achieve a balance. But I would just say one one thing that I take from you know figure skating is is that uh, and and by the way I'm a, a very modest uh, rec- competitive recreational uh, figure skater mm, but it's, right. it's the same lesson yeah. <laughs> it's the same lesson which is it's you have to do it kind of one element at a time right yeah. and it's you know you're, you may fall but the important part is is how quickly you pick yourself up brush yourself off and get back into that program and so I think that that is a a lesson, and I can hear my coach, you know because I still still do figure skate, and I can just hear her all the time saying it's one element at a time, and that's the way you get from the start to the finish of performance and any kind of performance
0: you we went you know we kind of talked about the 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 progression of your career, but you've always been adjacent to sport and it's sometimes directly connected to sport. Can you just talk a little bit about how? sport on all levels has been has been connected to your professional life
1: I, I, I do believe that sport has taught me many things and uh, you know I've done both team sports as well as individual sports but I would say probably the first lesson I've learned from sport is just discipline and commitment right and so uh, I, I'm a very disciplined person and probably why I survive in a remote work environment because I am pretty pretty disciplined in my approach to it and, uh, you know, chunk it off in, in uh, kind of tasks and or time frame in order for me to get through it. Um, but it's also taught me uh, about, you know, quiet leadership and, and more um, apparent leadership, like sometimes you have to fall behind Uh, be the leader from behind and that could be just providing moral support and sometimes you have to be more at the front of the room kind of you know uh, directing people acting like a traffic cop uh, or an air traffic controller whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. Uh, but really trying to allow but I I think you know in team sport in particular it's about doing your best to allow people to be their best and so uh, I think I've learned that from sport because when you have a common goal, um, it it's it's really it you know your objective it, it's a, just amazing to watch people work so harmonious together right. together. And uh, I think having stating that goal is sometimes just the job of a leader and allowing people to find their path there the best way for that they feel is suited for them to make sure that they uh, we we achieve a collective outcome is really important and I, I, that is from sport there's no question about it you know this just back to the skating you know although I skated as an individual when I was in in my youth that you know the last 20 years I've spent skating as a, on a team for synchronized skating, which isn't a very well known, but, uh, in Canada in particular, but very well known in the U S and particularly in Europe. And, uh, in fact, this was the weekend of the world competition in Lake Placid, which my team and I were planning on going to, but we didn't get the opportunity because it was canceled. But uh, I'm always amazed because synchronized skating is not easy. I mean, you throw in blades and speed and, and yep. Uh, all of that it's it's quite a difficult sport, right, but i I am my my team you know i'm I'm at the the old age old range old age range of my team, but it's you know there's many twenty year olds on my team, and what's remarkable about it it doesn't matter where we come from, that we work in unison to try to achieve a goal and, and uh, that's very much laid out by our coach who is also a great leader. And uh, I'm just always so impressed about how we get there. I'm not a leader on that team. I'm a quiet participant on that team. So I play a different role there than I do. But I learn a lot from those people every single day.
0: Yeah, but again, back to to leadership and teamwork, right? That's accepting the role and knowing your role.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Right. So I'm I'm sorry, I'm not very familiar with synchronized uh, team skating. Is that like when you do pinwheels and things like that?
1: (laughs) Well, it's a little bit. What more are you sophisticated laughing for? That's
0: all. I, that's the only frame of reference <laughs> I have. Not, I'm sorry, I
1: I know the image that's going around in your head. Yes. Bob, which is the image of uh, of the handsome brother. No, no, come on, come flat, on. But, <laughs> but it's uh, it's a little bit more sophisticated than okay. that, and you should uh, you should take a look at it because it's okay. uh, it's quite quite interesting, quite intricate. There's lot. There's increasingly so lots of males who are skating uh, in it now, and it uh it's a rapidly growing sport certainly a sport that would love to be in the olympics someday but you know there's 20 skaters normally and uh, obviously housing is probably the biggest issue issue for allowing synchronized skating in but it's really it's you know very intricate very artistic very athletic and it's uh it's a really fun sport to watch
0: so in some sense though uh if you're going all the way to lake placid for competition there is a certainly a a level of competition to it and and uh... You know, Lake Placid seems to me like you how many teams would you have competed against? How big a, a competition would it have been?
1: Well, yeah. So just to be perfectly clear, uh, I was going as a spectator with my team because we're an adult competitive team. But there's younger there. It's junior and seniors that. Oh, uh, OK. That, that Yeah. So there would be, you know, there would be probably close to about 16 uh, teams competing, but they all have to qualify. Yep so they're just the qualifying teams. There's probably, you know, a number of other teams, probably five from each other country that have been left behind that haven't come to Worlds, right? So right. it's quite a, quite a big sport. And, you know, uh, the, this Worlds, they did a virtual World, So basically they showed the last competition everybody competed in. And, of course, there's teams, lots of U.S. teams, or a couple of U.S. teams, a couple of Canadian teams that qualified. Uh, then there's teams from all over Europe, you know italy austria uh germany uh finland Mm -hmm. very big and then even as far as japan so it's uh it's a really interesting growing sport for sure and for those people who like figure skating but like team sports it's it's uh, really rewarding
0: is it on the olympic
1: radar Uh, It's been talked about. But again, I think the biggest issue is particularly uh, in, you know, obviously I have a very close view of this is that uh, if you have 16 or 20 teams uh, in two categories, so let's just call it 40 teams and 20 teams on each, 20 skaters on each team, plus the families, plus the coaches, housing becomes an issue right and so because it's such a massive sport but i can tell you rob it's a really interesting high energy sport you walk into those stadiums and people are screaming at the top of their lungs there's so much excitement so uh, it's a great spectator sport and i hope one day it does make its way into winter olympics but uh it's so far that's probably been the biggest holdback is the housing and uh athletes housing
0: well i I apologize because I, I misunderstood you. It says something, though, if, if you and your team are just traveling there to watch. I mean, Lake, you know, Lake Placid is not the easiest place in the world. It's not hard, but not that easy to get to. But mm-hmm. that's pretty dedicated uh, uh, participation, I would say, if you're just going to all travel together to watch the world.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not very often. Like, I mean, I shouldn't say that it's not very often, but it's probably been, uh, you know, it comes probably every third year to North America, somewhere in North America, mm-hmm. third or fourth year maybe so. so i think people take advantage of the opportunity to see that level of skiing. but you know calgary held the national competitions where people qualified for worlds here uh in uh february yep. and so uh it was it was a pretty big draw so people flew from all over the country and there were numerous categories that people were competing it was uh, essentially a five-day competition here so uh that happened at winsport at um, Uh, But it was, you know, I I think, you know, spectators, it needs much more awareness from a spectator perspective. So,
0: well, you know me, Mary, I love a good rabbit hole. Now you've taken me down. So I got to ask, difficult to make a transition from being a figure skater to a team competition? Was that difficult to wrap your head around?
1: I actually think that it was, uh, you know, because I was so deep into my career at that point that it was probably a much needed transition for sport for me, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I was a figure skater, I was a runner, I was a skier, all of which are pretty individual. And, uh, you know, although I will admit that I played ball hockey in my younger years.
0: Sure. <laughs> why wouldn't you?
1: <laughs> that, uh, that, you know, I didn't really have a lot of exposure to team sports. Yeah. And so uh, it, for me, it was a much needed, it fulfilled a much needed um, uh, gap for me. Hmm. So I would say it was way easier than I thought.
0: Were and you, were you recruited, see- or did you get? Or did did you find it? How did you come to that?
1: I, I I I mean recruited in the sense that somebody said to me, "We need a team. We need a team member. Yeah. We're short of team members. You used to skate. You should try this." So yeah, it wasn't like I had tryouts and beat a whole bunch of people. Rob, you know. It come was,
0: on, Mary. I, let me pump you up here. Let me, <laughs> let me make it as some sort of oh, international star you- search.
1: I know it wasn't like that at all, but it's. I can tell you for me, it is such a great outlet. Outlet because we practice for a few hours a week, and it's a place where I go and I just laugh. And it's, uh, you know, when certainly in the last few years it's been so intense uh, in Calgary that it's been a great place for me to uh, really kind of get a balance and, uh, you know, just a reminder that you need to index that every once in a while. Cause you, I mean, economic development is a funny thing where you could work on it 24 seven and never finish that work. And so I always talk to my staff about you, you have to self-regulate. And for me, part of that self-regulation is sport and, and part of that sport is definitely getting out and skating with my team and, and, uh, not having to make a lot of decisions there.
0: Is there anything better than finding something new, um, Midway through your life or later in life,
1: I think it's fabulous isn't it 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 really is and and frankly you know i'm I'm really hitting the the my best before date on my team i I think that they I really do believe that it's you know there's such an age range uh I'm pretty sure that I heard one of one of my fellow skaters talking about their grandmother, and I think I might know her grandmother so um but <laughs> But in all seriousness, I just think that uh, you do have to know kind of when it's time to to go to And I've been hanging on for probably a couple couple a couple of years. So, you know, I can see myself going back to it probably at a at a lower level. But uh, I really really enjoyed it, wow. and it's I've learned as they say I've just learned so much and learned more, so much about the sport, but also learned so much about leadership from others.
0: I love it. I'm glad we went down that rabbit hole. I'm going to pop up. I want to ask you one more business specific and then I want to get into some sports things. I guess it's a transition question based on that. You have now led and been the president and CEO on, you know, a business entity and what would have been, I guess, a business entity, but more of a sports entity. Is navigating the business world and navigating the sports world the same kind of navigation or are they two different animals?
1: Um yeah, I would say there's lots of similarities for sure, but I think particularly if we're referencing the Olympic uh, 2026 yeah, Olympic yeah, bid, yeah. um uh I I would just say I, the big difference between the two is is how focused people were on the Calgary 2026 bid. And so I think that they're in that case what I observed is, is in that case versus kind of what we do day to day. It's not a criticism of the people. It's just, it's more a criticism of, uh, of the projects, right? So in the Olympic bid, everybody was focused on the same goal, which is, you know, short-term to get through a plebiscite, uh, you know, longer, mid-term to, to, uh, to win a bid uh, and the the, uh, ultimate long-term to host the games, right? And so when people are that focused on a goal, what I find is, is you, you break down barriers and silos. And so, um, you know, people are looking out for each other Mm -hmm. a little bit more and they're trying, everybody does everything to try to catch a falling piece. And so it doesn't matter, you know, what your job is, what your responsibility is, you're always there for each other. Right. And, and I, I really tried, when I went back to Calgary, uh, economic development, you know, I, I dreamt about, or, you know, had this, um, ambition of trying to emulate that in our organization but our organization runs four companies right and so it's not as easy to do and so but i think it's a skill to try to get people in a very diverse organization to try to get them focused on big goals as opposed to uh you know their individual goals and so we've tried to do that at calgary economic development and i tried to pull what i could from that learning it's not it's not easy uh because you're running four organizations. Right with different, yep. very differing goals, but we tried to try try to take everybody up to kind of metrics that made sense across the organization. And so it was my best attempt at trying to adapt what I learned from Calgary 2026. But I would say that's the big difference. And you know, I think the thing about the Olympics um, is the Olympics is and always will be very political, and uh, and and I understand that, and um, and you know, I respect uh you know I, I certainly respect that there wasn't enough runway for people to to for us to give the information for people to make really good decisions uh uh and you know i i will probably regret that for a very long period of time where what we do at calgary economic development yes there's political support we get but um it's not as political. It, 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 I would say, you know, certainly from the provincial and municipal level, per, perhaps a little bit more at the federal level, given the per, perception uh, of support from from the federal government with the oil and gas industry, right?
0: Political or emotional?
1: Ooh, uh, you're probably right. Probably both.
0: Yeah, it just okay. it's just my experience in in the media while covering professional sports, and and I just always wondered if. You could remain as disciplined and on target in a sports body, running a sports body, a professional team and organization or whatever, that you, you could or you needed to in, in real life, real life, but in the business world. that That's the one thing I always wondered about, that emotional capital.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. But what's interesting about those is those two things really collided, right? Yep. Yep. so there were there were a lot of people that were greatly influenced about the Olympics because of the uh, what was happening in the in business ended the economy right so people's people were very fragile psychologically were very fragile when making a decision about the olympics which was caused by the economy and and our key industry right so it couldn't the plebiscite couldn't have come at a worse time in some ways right because of the emotional sorry the uh, psychological fragility of the of our community caused by the economic and and political forces that were you know overwhelming right so you know oil was had dropped down to 23 dollars. there was a a curtailment decision that had to be made uh there was trans mountain was further delayed you know there wasn't a lot of friendly friendly talk between the federal government to the provincial and the provincial to the city and the city to the federal government and so that goes back to that comment about where trust alignment and leadership is quite critical at a time when you're making big decisions like that.
0: Yeah. Can I just ask you having gone through that process, do you feel, Mm -hmm. and I don't think I hate to be the guy on, on the lawn saying, Hey kids get off my lawn. And I hate to be pointing my finger at a generation saying, but as a society, have we moved away from aspirational thinking the way we used to embrace it? It seemed to me that it was, we were, you know, growing up, we were always one big project away from solving all of our problems. Or, you you know, let's, let's pull the rope in the same direction on this thing because it'll help everybody. Have we moved away from that kind of aspirational thinking?
1: I, I don't know if we've provided the right platform for people to engage hmm. in it. Okay. Uh, and I think... If there is a platform, if there even if there was a platform, it gets grossly diluted by the platform of social media. Right. And yeah. I think social media, although the intent was to bring communities together, it feels like it does the opposite in some ways. Right. And uh, I I think we're seeing that in, in not just with the uh, Calgary 2026 bid, but we've seen it in many things. And so
0: we've well, seen it in this pandemic. Right. It's the the proliferation of bad information.
1: Yeah, it's uh, absolutely. And so uh, it you know, there's so many myths, truths that are spread uh, through social media. You have to be really, really careful. And I think we've gotten away from uh, the discipline of doing deep research on projects or whatever, not just projects, pandemics, whatever the case may be. Right.
0: She's Mary Moran, President and CEO of Calgary Economic Development and the chair of the Sport Calgary Board, which means I should probably do this. Not sure what sports are provided in Calgary? Sport Calgary Sport Directory will help you find the sport and sport organization that's right for you. Visit sportcalgary.ca to learn more. Um, You are now the chair of Sport Calgary. Uh, Tell me a little bit about where this fits in your journey.
1: Sure. I mean, I've actually been on the board of Sport Calgary for quite a few years. I think it might be seven. Uh, I've lost track. Uh, (laughs) They all blur together. Exactly. I've lost track of days and (laughs) months and now years. But, um, you know, uh, this just goes back to my passion and and wanting to give back. And I've always been focused on uh, volunteer work that was related to particularly youth. Um, and that was probably my first attraction to, to sport Calgary, but it also extended to the fact that it's, you know, the fact we really need to encourage kind of lifelong activity, Mm. uh, and active lifestyles, uh, throughout uh, the community. And so, you know, I was blessed with a very active family and my parents were quite active including, you know, I think my mom phoned me from the top of Sulphur Mountain at on her 80th birthday, and um, you know, fortunately, we've been blessed with good genes. And uh, you know, I think uh, I it you know, Sport Calgary allowed me to kind of embrace that uh, desire to make sure that everybody w- could capitalize on it and share, and 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 sport was accessible to people, all kinds of people, new Calgarians, old Calgarians, young Calgarians, uh, those that m- might be facing either physical or mental. Uh, impairments like so you know i think that it's really it's always been really important to me sport has always been important so it was an easy uh easy organization to put my hand up for and i think uh, it became broader my desire became broader uh, as i realized kind of how broad the mandate was and how it has evolved and it really has evolved yeah. since i've been in, involved and certainly uh you know our past uh president and ceo marie sigler did a great job of standing that organization Organization up and uh, giving it some greater focus and getting more community involvement. And I just can't say enough good things about Katrina Lemay-Done, who's now stepped up as CEO and brings a different perspective than Murray did, but learned a lot from Murray, uh, from the business side of it. And I think uh, our ability to reach into the community and support the community even more so is uh, we're well positioned to do so. So, um, you know, sport I will continue to volunteer for sport, no matter what it is. Uh, And, uh, you know, I I feel honored and privileged to be able to sit as the chair of Sport Calgary. And, uh, you know, after this tenure, I'll do something else in sport for sure. So um, it's, you know, this is a place where I get to marry my business skills and my passion. And uh, I will continue to do that for the rest of my life.
0: Be careful that I'm going to suggest something that is more of opinion than, than a fact. But it's my opinion right now, Mary, that sport needs advocacy more than it ever has before and advocacy from just the standpoint of recruitment and saying it's okay to go out and play and it's okay to go outside. and It's okay to try other sports. It, it seems like a real, uh, you know, you, some might say challenging time, but I think it's rich with targets and opportunities right now in the world of sport.
1: 100%. And I think about even during this downturn, there's kind of two, two population. This ties back to a comment you made earlier mm. too, Rob, but you know, I want to focus on the people that come to Calgary. And so if we look at the change that's happened to the people that are coming to Calgary, and even during this downturn, we've had about 20,000 new people move here almost every year during this downturn. And, um, you know, obviously that's going to be slowed as a result of COVID, but the reality is, uh, up until that time, we were still seeing quite significant in-migration and what was interesting about the immigration coming into Calgary, uh, over the last several years is is that 60% of them were coming from international markets, right? Yep. and so they were new Canadians and What we know about people uh, Coming to new countries is if they get involved in sport their integration and assimilation is greatly greatly uh, Expedited or accelerated and so then they feel a greater sense of attachment. Well, I want those People with a global perspective and a worldly view to come to Calgary and feel like they belong. And it is a really critical piece to building an economy. And so these things aren't that far apart. And so, you know, the fact that we're trying to make sport available, adapt to a changing demographic, look at sports that are of interest to the new Calgarians or Canadians is really an important role for Sport Calgary to play. Uh, and just moving on to another segment, which is, you know, you talked about how, you know, at a, at a, at a older stage in my career, I was able to adopt or uh, adjust or uh, participate in a different sport than I had. It was it was, you know, not arm's length away from a sport I'd done all my life, but it was still new to me. Yeah. Uh, and I think every Calgarian should be given that opportunity to try a new sport in their in midlife. Or I'm not going to say I was in a midlife crisis. Wrong no, no,
0: but but to find something, you it should be an ongoing journey. And That's I right. I've always found that you know, the, and I'll use Hockey Canada for example because they were the first person I ever uh, heard them use the term, which is the long-term athlete development model, which I believe now has a new name. But mm-hmm. if you really drill down on that, it was Hockey Canada talking about kids, but it was really looking beyond that. Like mm-hmm. I I think it's so cool what you're doing you know, in, in synchronized team skating. Um, Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, the greatest advice I've ever heard given in the sport of hockey was I I don't want to make a single NHL player. I want to make 23 beer league players. That's the aspiration we ought to have.
1: That's right. And I, I just want to tie this back to another story, which is when I first moved to Calgary, so I had been transferred all over the country Mm -hmm. and when I first came to Calgary and so you've got to remember, I came here in 1989 and what was so interesting to me and I had felt like, I had arrived to the place that I knew that I belonged. And part of that was, is that it was young. It was a very active city. Mm -hmm. But as importantly, we had all this infrastructure that I knew that I would be a lifelong athlete here. Right. Recreational, just to clarify, but (laughs) a competing recreational adult athlete, right? Like, and so it didn't matter, you know, I became a ski instructor at at Canada Olympic park or windsport, and have, you know, continued to, to be able to ski you know, I uh, ran the Pathways or at the Oval uh, in the winter, uh, which kept me very active and running. And I always said, I want to run a marathon when I'm 70, so you're going to have to hold me to that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will but, in 30 you know, years. We, I will in 30 years, yes.
1: <laughs> and then you, I got to figure skate at Father David Bauer for the, every single Monday night for with a remarkable group of women. Yeah. Uh, or Norma Bush, I guess. But, yeah. you know, we, we did off-ice at Father David Bauer, uh, for the last 20 years. And so, you know, this is a city where, um, you know, sport, you can embrace sport and sport can embrace you because we're so blessed with all of our great infrastructure here. And uh, although it needs some investment, uh, greater investment again, but it really is, uh, it's remarkable, uh, remarkable city. And I think this is the big difference, you know, there's arts and culture, sports and recreation and the attachment that people feel this downturn versus other downturns. Uh, that we have historically experienced there's not a mass exodus and people are still coming here
0: you know it's it's incredible to talk hear you talk about coming to calgary and knowing you belonged as i've done these podcasts i would say you're the fourth or fifth person that has unsolicited brought that up that i moved to Mm -hmm. calgary and calgary was home and part of why calgary is home is because i can do the things i want to do and everything's here it's it really is and and again not to tie it back to your day job but people have to understand, and I think we do. But I think people have to understand the 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 strength that that brings to us.
1: Absolutely, you know, I always say about economic development, the low ceiling on economic development has is having the right, the you know, the world's best entrepreneurs and talent, and the low ceiling on, on having the the world's best entrepreneurs and talent come to, come to a city is is you have to have a great place to live. Well, we have a great place to live, and during this COVID. The the three weeks I've been at home, it's funny because I've been we've I've been spending a fair amount of time with my new coworker, called my spouse, who's in the. (laughs) Uh, But we've been reflecting on just how blessed we were to live in this city for the last 20 years and what it offered to us, and it had nothing to do with what we did professionally and more to do with the quality of life that we have lived. And uh, yes, we had great opportunities to earn in this city. There's no question about it, but we just think about the outdoor life that we've had and how we, you know, whether it be riding a mountain bike or, uh, you know, going to the mountains to ski, which I know everybody doesn't have access to do, but or running on the pathways or running Jasper Banff relay or the K 100 or, you know, it's just been a remarkable place to, to spend, uh, you know, your contributing years. Uh, uh, just, it's just been a remarkable experience, and um, I love the city as much as I did when I moved here, so.
0: It, it also, to me, strikes a, a little bit of a, a light upon something that I think both of us are connected to, which is the Mount Royal University project led by uh, Dr. Finch and Legge, uh, the Active City Collective. Uh, I know it's been somewhat interrupted by what we're going on, but um, it, how important is a project like that? How important is it for us to inventory and, and be able to speak with a certain degree of certainty about the, the deep reach? And I, it's funny, I love the way we went from sport to active because mm-hmm. it, it's far more inclusive, and I get that. But how important is this?
1: it's huge and i think it ties back to your comment about you know how to how to community how does a community get behind uh, a project right mm-hmm. and uh you know i think this is a great place for people to engage and really have a common goal about who we are and so i think we 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 might have gotten a bit complacent about the fact that we are a winter sports center of excellence, right? And uh, we are blessed with a Rocky Mount playground and a great, uh, all that great infrastructure. uh, And we've been attracting international competitions, small, big and small in this community for a long time. And we have been generating and creating Mm world-class athletes and, uh, you know, and and I would argue are one of the most active cities in this country, mm-hmm. right? And so those are all things that we have to remain focused on and we can't become complacent about it. And so uh, I think giving pe- place, people a place to connect through this Active City uh, initiative, the Active City Collective it's called, is giving a place for people to connect and have a discussion about who do we really want to be when it comes to Being an active city and what does that mean is a really important uh, project to undertake because otherwise it just defaults back to having that conversation on social media, right? And so i love to tell the story about one of our city councillors who was talking to our CEO, Katrina LeMay Doan, and they didn't see themselves in sport, but they are very active. They go out and walk and they garden and stuff like that. And that is all part of being an active city, right? And so the pathways... They're for runners, for sure. But they're also for walkers. And frankly, walking, you'll probably do be walking longer than you're running. So, you know, but they could finally see themselves in sport and they probably never thought of themselves as as uh, as, uh, you know, so that closely associated to sport.
0: You mentioned earlier when we were kind of talking about your upbringing and and we were talking about leadership and you said that, you know, you were fortunate or felt fortunate that you didn't feel kind of that gender inequality that we as a society have been dealing about. And I I tread on this very lightly, Mary, because I know it's a little weird for a dude to be talking about it. But um, one of the strengths of Calgary, and I think we saw it recently uh, with a very important um, uh, session downtown, the leadership, female leadership, not only in sport, but. You know, as you prove day to day in the boardroom, can you just talk a little bit about Calgary and what I think is is kind of a an epicenter of, of female leadership?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a interesting time to be a leader in this community right now. So, you know, I have always believed strongly, uh, you know, that it, it it is that Calgary is a meritocracy and it, it's not hundred percent. A meritocracy but it, it's pretty close like compared to other cities yep. you know people don't care you know where you went to school and what your daddy's name is and you know what your your uh, religious beliefs are your uh, sexual orientation what your gender is people care about that a lot less than they care about you know do you come to the table do you work hard and do you have something to contribute I, I have I firmly believe that Now, you know, there's lots of criticism in the in the energy industry that there's not enough equity in the energy industry. And I would say, yep, that's probably as a result of the nature of the business. But, you know, I think about, uh, you know, the the remarkable appetite for it. And, you know, so as a woman woman leader, particularly if you're 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 seeking a, a board position, in this city, now is a good time to be doing that, right? Because I think everybody is kind of woken up to the fact that yeah, we need more women, particularly in the energy industry. So, you know, I think there's strong, strong leadership in uh, public organized, publicly funded organizations such as ours. Right, uh, the chamber uh, has a female leader. Calgary Arts Development, Calgary Sport, Sport Calgary does. Calgary Economic Development does. Um, uh, you know, the Telus Spark. Uh, has a, a female leader, so there's lots of, and you know, obviously Elizabeth Cannon at the at University of Calgary, uh, you know, made a huge impact. So there's been lots of great leaders in public uh, publicly funded organizations, and I hope to see that uh, adaptation or adoption happening in privately funded organizations. Or, uh, you know, I think that that I think you're going to see a lot more of that. So, you know, if you're a leader in this city right now and are are seeking board positions or leadership positions on boards, it's kind of a good time because everybody is acutely aware of the fact that we need more equity.
0: One of the things that you mentioned before was the the influence of new Canadians and the influence of of people from other countries coming into Calgary and and how that enhances us. Mm -hmm. Is that one area that that we need to work on is, is to continue to get visible minority representation in sport um you know get would, more coaches and more people involved
1: yeah absolutely i i would say it's across the board it's not okay. just in sport i would say even in business we have to work harder at it and the other uh you know i think just going back to business i think that we also have to get uh age diversity on some of our uh, on some of our boards too Uh, You know, I think Sport Calgary has done a pretty good job of bringing some younger people in, Mm -hmm. particularly on standing committees, and we we need to extend that to the boards over time, too. It doesn't happen overnight, you know, as board positions come available, but but definitely in business. Like, I even think about the boards I sit on, and I'd like to see some younger people some of them have younger people but i think having that uh that perspective is really important because they people are the younger people are so motivated by different things and kind of you and i were right yep yep. so uh but but ethnicity is also we need more diversity on that in sport and in business what what's your what's
0: your mandate what's your goal for sport Calgary here in the next couple of years. Um, I guess with consideration of what we're currently going through, where, where do you think your board and, and sport Calgary needs to be positioned in, in five years?
1: Yeah, I, I really do believe that, uh, helping more of the community set up, stand up, uh, and, 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 be sustainable operations is going to be very very important so we can make sport more accessible to more people uh, in more places in calgary and that you go goes back to you know making people feel like they belong creating mm-hmm. a greater sense of attachment and assimilation in this community so uh, you know i think we're we did a really good job the last few years in building a strong relationship with our shareholder. Uh, the city of Calgary. And I think that that's on rock solid foundation. And now we've got to go get more people engaged in sport Calgary and as a consequent, get more people engaged in sport.
0: How much do you miss sport right now? How much do you miss watching, consuming or, or just (laughs) being exposed to it?
1: Um, Well, I, you know, as I said to you, um, I've been watching uh, a a virtual synchronized skating world championship, And, uh, my spouse pointed out to me that he thinks I watch more figure skating than he watches hockey and he's a diehard. <laughs> so I didn't think it was possible, but it could be true. Uh, and mostly because I just keep watching the same programs over and over again, I think, cause I'm, you can learn, they're just, they're so intricate. You yeah. could watch it several times and be entertained. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a big part of our lives here at, in our house. And so uh, I'm missing it a lot and it's a great outlet and, um, uh, you know, but I think we're doing our best to try to stay active ourselves, and I think that's really important for people during this COVID. Even if it's to, even if you don't view yourself as an active person, get out and walk uh, in in a in a responsible way, keeping physical distancing in yep. mind. But uh, you know, I think it's great that the city of Calgary has opened up like Memorial Drive and Elbow Drive, so people can walk along the streets. And and uh, you know, I've never seen so many people out walking as I as I have in the last few weeks so uh, i think i encourage calgarians to keep it up and uh, uh professional sports will return and i'm looking forward to it
0: um my my last question is the same last question i ask everybody on this podcast and it's quickly become my favorite question with no parameters give me mary moran's hidden calgary gem
1: oh my god my hidden gem oh my gosh there are so many uh, <laughs> hidden gems. Uh, here's one that I'm going to tell you that I get. It, it, get. It, it's related to sport, but it's, it's quite amusing. And, and I think it's probably one of the most underutilized places. I wish it was more utilized. But, I, you know, we, our office is in the Bow Tower. And um, uh, for me personally, probably the hidden gem is the stairs, because that's a great place to work out. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love is looking at Olympic Plaza, and watching the people skate and they had a curling rink set up there uh a couple of weeks ago a few weeks ago and watching people out there curling was just amazing right so I could sit in my office and watch all this activity happening and so uh I I I just think that Olympic Plaza is a great gathering place probably underutilized and we need to do way more there Probably enhance it a little bit to get more people down there, but um, I I love Olympic Plaza.
0: I love
1: that it's so meaningful, and it's just uh, it's such a pretty setting, and has so much more opportunity to draw more people down, and uh, particularly in the downtown.
0: This was awesome. Mary, thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity to pick your brain and, and kind of bounce some things off you and uh, really appreciate the role that you're playing in this. So I thank you. Thank you for giving us some time. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the other side of all of this when we, we begin to rebuild and come back to normal.
1: Thank you, Rob. It's a privilege to be on the podcast. It's an even greater privilege to serve with, for both Sport Calgary and Calgary Economic Development. So thank you very much for the opportunity. And uh, you, along with all your listeners, be
0: well. That's Mary Moran, who, for my money, uh, one of our top leaders, uh, and as we discussed in that conversation, certainly connected through sport. That's that's where she finds it. Um, I love the topic. I think it's one that when we come out of this, we're going to have to put more emphasis on, uh, and I think sport is the vehicle. I, I really do. I think uh, youth sport, uh, personally myself, opinion, not fact, my opinion is that Youth sport needs to be the vehicle in which we instill leadership and teamwork and, and respect and all of the soft skills that are so important that we, we've always talked about that we get from sport. And you heard Mary talk about it. She feels we get it as well. And I think she's an incredible leader and uh, really pleased to to share time with her on the Sport Calgary board. Mary's been a great guest. I want to thank uh, some of our other guests in the past who we've had on, Erica Weeb. Uh, Cassie Campbell-Pascal, to name a few. Uh, we were talking about strong female leaders in Calgary. There's a few uh, as well. Uh, Peter Marr was on this podcast. Uh, we've t- we talked some, uh, oh, geez, I'm thinking comedy with Trent McClellan, George Canyon, some music. So we try to touch a lot on this very podcast, which we're so pleased you, you could spend some time with us. Once again, thanks to Mary Moran. Thank you for stopping by. This has been an original Six Feet Conversation podcast at Sport Calgary.